Hey everybody, welcome to episode 56 of Tactical Crouch, uh, of course your favorite competitive Overwatch podcast, otherwise why would you be here? Why would you be here? Joined of course by Yiska and Volamel, we've got a guest, we've got a guest this week, crushed it last week at the gauntlet, you could say the real winner of the gauntlet were the casters, and at the forefront Thanks, of man. that... Kevin Avril Walker, looking great, man. By the way, love the Thank love you. the Henley going on. Uh huh. Uh huh. Just uh, you know, I, I can tell you've put a lot of time and effort into decorating the room you're in. I just, I just, I just moving the mess around. You know, it's a constant work in progress, and uh, the the least amount of mess I can show, the better. So, fair enough. <laughs> we're we're, we're <laughs> making improvements here. Fair enough. Yeah, we had to make Joe start making his bed on the show. So. Yeah, Joe, that's true. Have some class, man. We, we, we had a we had a he had to pull me off to the side and was like, "Look, man, you know this is incredibly unprofessional. You know, this guy at least can shut his window. You know, the least you do is at least you know make the bed. So you know, get on it. You know, do better. Do Although, better. And, and one and one day I'll have a better camera as well. So we're, we're getting there. Just slow progress, but we are moving. In Christmas the right is direction. coming. The funny thing is, sure. is that when we started the show, the tree behind Yiska was a full bloom cherry blossom. And that's not even a tree. That's a that's a what? A lamp. You have a funky lamp, okay? Bullshit. No, it isn't. That's a lamp. Turn it on. <sighs> no way. That's a lamp. All right. Wait. For the there's See, no I, way. I knew I should have uh, kept my plants uh, on this <laughs> show. <laughs> Crawl. Crawl there. For the for the audio listeners, he's getting up at the moment to go <laughs> fiddle with his lamp tree. Um, well, that's a sizable thing. He's holding up some sort of base, and it's an upside-down lamp. What? Why is it like the floor? So, <laughs> I thought Germans were supposed so, to be good at engineering. What's, what's what's wrong with your floor lamp? So, what what, what bet did you lose to have to have what? that piece of furniture? I think your it home. looks dope. What do you mean? It serves no functional purpose. What are you trying to do? Look under your bed? What is that? What is that supposed what to is light? That? It lights the room, dude. What do you mean yeah. functional purpose? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the guy, of course, that comes from you who shares like has absolutely nothing in his room and I have buys plenty one things. piece, it's piece just of not cloth on camera. for his shirt as well as his bed drapes. <laughs> the only, He's got the one functional thing in his room right behind him. Exactly. The only supplementary... That's not even the power socket. That's Play-Doh that, that went there when he was three. <laughs> the only supplementary furniture Joe has in his bedroom is the thing that prevents the doorknob from going through the wall. And I appreciate that. <laughs> Oh man. Uh yes, we will permit the term butt plug in chat. We're not <laughs> Welcome to <laughs> if you're listening to us not live, you're missing so much in chat, by the way. This is what the people want when they start the show. We're we'll get into it. Don't worry, but let's have a little bit of fun, you know? Yeah. We're here. We are gonna have fun. It's episode fifty six. Uh, Avril, thanks for being here. Kind of yes. early for you. I know you already got your steak and cheese mm -hmm. breakfast sandwich out of the way. Mm-hmm. Yep, we got that. Good. It's so. uh, thank, it's not super early or anything. We we somehow made it work, and happy to be here, man. Thanks for ha finally having me on. I'm yeah. super happy to be on the show. Yeah, it, it, it's a it's a perfect week too, right? Because we just got Gauntlet. We just got a bunch of news about contenders. 
Uh, so it's it's a great week to have you on. Super excited to do so. Before we do, though, housekeeping really quick. First, follow the show on Twitter, tactical underscore crouch. We post things there sometimes. Show supported 100% by our patrons and our um, our subs. So sub on Twitch. Go to patreon.com slash tactical crouch. Support the show. And you will be rewarded in the next life. Guaranteed. Are we starting a cult? We are. And someone really wanted me to be rewarded in the next life. Tactical cult (laughs) is what we're calling it. Yeah, somebody saved Avril before the show started. This guy needs saving, dude. This guy guy doesn't have any plans for the afterlife. I'm going to help him out with that. Oh, why hasn't anybody got on this train? This is this is incredible. Gamer cults. Well done, John. I know. I, what we've been talking about all week in Discord is ways that we can monetize things for gamers. And gamer we, religion. Gamer religion. Here gamer faith. All right. The way some people treat games, I mean, it's 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 it might as yeah, yeah. It's like true, true. Churches wish they had that level of dedication. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I I didn't quite think uh, Joe's idea had legs, where he wants to start the religion where your soul, w- w- once you pass, becomes a Reddit. Uh, is this uh, just like spe- weird karma because I, I I shit on your lamp? Like I don't like. What is your issue today? <laughs> yes, the, yeah. you're. I I go from lamp and you go to like lambasting my views on on the faith and and like. <laughs> religious sentiments like we are go <laughs> we aren't going here but to be fair if there's anything that could be a religious sim- symbol in any of our homes it's that monstrosity of a floor yeah. lamp that you yeah, yeah. yeah i'd worship it praise the floor lamp it'd be like we would call it the uh lamp god the eminescent loof, uh root <laughs> or yeah. Did you bring that thing far enough back in history? That that is a that's a that's a thing to be worshipped right there. It's true. <laughs> wow. Well, hopefully we haven't alienated. I like we've been treading the line. Hopefully we haven't alienated too many people before we actually get to talk about uh, stuff. But thanks for being here. Wrong. I don't. I think we. I don't think we said anything wrong. I don't think yet, we hopefully. did. But you know, just whatever, just for whatever works for you. You know. You know. Just for the audio listeners, the lamp is actually very beautiful, and these guys are all bullshit. Listen, great taste. I, I, I want to go on record that I've I've never dissed your lamp. I <laughs> I respect Yiska for many many things. His interior decorating, not one of those things. I will say so. Uh, sorry, but uh, I I do not approve of the lamp. The thing is, like, there's nothing to criticize in your room because you just went to Ikea and went, like, streamer background, and Joe <laughs> does, doesn't have one, so... Amazing. So... There's no tech. There's nothing in my room Front. from Ikea. Just so he you wants, know. He, so, let the record show. Let the record show that this Them and their meatballs can shove it. ikea But you've got a lot of RGB, though. You know, let's let's be real. I do. You know, let's... let's Brings out the lights. color in my eyes, and we and we checked that it was a real room as well because I saw him walk out the door. Otherwise, I'm like, dude, you got a you got a nice like green screen thing going on behind <laughs> yeah. dudes. Good, you've got us all fooled, John. You didn't get a new lens; it was just a new green screen. I'm just like in the middle of like a dump in San yeah. Jose. <laughs> just that's how we get the good lighting. 
See, he wasn't lying about the no IKEA thing because if you just have a green screen behind you, let's see, man, that's no IKEA right there. No, it's true. It's true. Unless they Straight sell green rugs. Mm-hmm. It's a very that. textured background you got going on. So it's a green <laughs> rug. Right? Elgato makes <laughs> a green screen mouse pad now. But so. why? For like so hand cams? some people like yeah hand cam it and you can just hand That's cam so it over. Weird. It's like over not like these people. Yeah, you can now hand cam it over your own gameplay footage. Look at that. Yeah. Oh, that's some Inception level hmm. stuff. All right. Yeah. We need to talk about some Overwatch here. <laughs> but Let's, do we have to though? We're reeling it in. We we do we do. We're reeling it in, talking about. Uh, Lots with contenders. Um, let's just let's just talk about the new Overwatch contenders rules for 2020 because this was kind of a big drop. We're going to talk yeah. about Gauntlet a little bit later, but I think it makes more sense to discuss what to expect from 2020 and then come back and speak about Gauntlet now that we have a framing for what to expect next season. Otherwise, we have to go back and talk about Gauntlet again. Now it matters or it doesn't matter. So... Overwatch contenders rules for 2020 were posted about five days ago. So we're a little bit behind on this one, but we'll give you the highlights right here. First things first, contenders has been split into two conferences, the Atlantic and uh, Pacific uh, conference. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Pacific includes Australia, China, Korea, and Pacific. And Atlantic includes Europe, NA and South America. It'll also be moving to a bi-weekly tournament series, same with Trials. So it's kind of interesting, but the there's like no, virtually very, there's very little overlap between Open Division, Trials, and Contenders. It's almost like this ongoing mm. uh, thing. There is one time where I think uh, Open Division and Contenders overlap. Overlap, yeah. Think, yeah. But besides that, there's very little overlap there which I do kind of appreciate because it's already going on during the Overwatch League season three season, uh, right? Mm-hmm. As if that isn't hard enough to like get people to tune into contenders. So uh, there's that. Um, I've got this nice handy little link here. I'll post in chat that kind of explains the schedule a little bit more uh, fully while we talk about this next up. There's six phases. Can you believe it? Six phases. <laughs> it feels like really complicated. It, yeah. So it's it's needlessly complicated, but yeah, we can you can simplify it down to pretty simple. Yeah. Terms. So phase one is going to be seven weeks of open division, uh, six weeks of round robin tournament play, I believe, and then one week of playoffs. Swiss. Swiss. Actually, thank yeah. you. Which is interesting. Thank you for that question. Uh, open Div's always been Swiss, isn't it? I think. So. I, to be honest, I have no clue. No, it has. It's it's it goes from Swiss into a bracket. Uh, so okay, it used to be uh, ten rounds of Swiss, if I'm not mistaken. Which I don't know if it'll still be ten full rounds. Mm. Pretty sure you played two rounds a week, though. So it's only like five weeks. Uh, this is just going off memory. Someone that actually plays Open Div is probably like, dude, you're wrong. But uh, based <laughs> off memory, it's like ten rounds, five weeks. But this oh. is. I know what, it's seven, six so. weeks now. And then yep. one week of playoffs. Interesting. So for those who aren't familiar, because we do have some uh, people who are like newer to competitive scenes and stuff like that, a Swiss tournament is essentially where you 
Joe, how would you explain it? I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher Swiss. It. I, I I had to <laughs> I had to look it up as well. Swiss. I I believe everybody plays in the first round, and then the people who succeed in round one continue to face off against people who also have succeed or have similar records, right? So somebody who is one and one will face off against somebody else who is one and one. Somebody's zero and two will face off against somebody who else who is zero and two, right? And you continue down the the bracket until you finish with your six weeks, and then at the very end you have your your completed uh, regular season. Yep. If that makes sense. Hopefully uh, I did it justice. But if not, then uh, look it up. Google is your friend. Bingo. So, Bingo. yeah, so you have seven weeks of open division, and then the top eight will compete in trials. Now, there's something that we should probably talk about, and that's the transition between uh, this year to the first uh, contender's season of 2020. Mm-hmm. And that is... Uh, you're going to see uh, 2019 Contender Season 2 teams invited to a preliminary double elimination tournament. The top four are going to be seeded into their region's contenders and receive buys. The bottom four will receive buys in their region's first trials tournaments to seed one through four. So uh, that's how they kind of set up the bracket for the first time. Then we go to phase one of open division. Then phase two is going to be the top four of contenders trials which we just discussed are the bottom four contender seeds from this double elimination tournament go against the top eight from open division in a single elimination bracket so far so good phase three top eight teams from trials plus top four contenders teams Compete in a... My Siri just activated in the other room how the... (laughs) (laughs) uh the top eight teams from trials and the top four contenders teams from the double uh, elimination tournament that we just discussed will compete in bi-weekly tournaments alternating between Atlantic and Pacific. The top four retain their spots and contenders. The bottom eight return to trials. Phase four repeats phase two and three. Phase five as we do it all over again. Yep, yep. Can I quickly mention for actually moving past trials? I this is actually really interesting because there's, there's 12 teams in trials. Eight of them I uh, move forward, right? So the top mm-hmm. four, this is top eight trials teams. Yeah, so top eight contenders trials teams. That's eight out of 12. That's a good chance. So yeah. if you actually look at the bracket uh, for the trials, if you win one match, you're in the top eight. So literally, you just got to win once, and then you've made. Contenders. You've made contenders like the. It's like I say, it's like it's like it really is kind of that easy. I mean, really? it is single elim, so maybe RNG just kind of screws you if you're if you get a bad matchup. But really, yeah, you win one game, like one match, and you've made contenders. That's insane. Yep. Should Overwatch League teams be worried about acad- their academies being relegated? Yeah. I think it depends on the investment put in, but yeah, generally, I think um, I think this softens the blow, um, whereas normally just normal relegation kind of like puts you out of commission for a long time. You still mm. can kind of get your seed back um, with whatever you need to change or this, that, the other thing. Um, I, I I still think it's cause for concern for academy teams, but I think it's this is a lot uh, safer for them than other tournament series where you know you go back to like the lcs and you have nrg getting a ton of investment money and then immediately being relegated that's not good for anybody um this way you still can have a path back into the tournament 
um, and and still be successful in that sense. So. Well, let me let me tell you about one concern real quick, and this is the thing that uh, I think most people have not necessarily skimmed over, but it's like I don't know, this hasn't been talked about as much as it probably should have. But NA is being cut back from two regions to one, or like you know, right. two separate things to one. There's no like NA East West anymore. It's just North America now, right? So. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's just a lot less positions and spots in contenders overall for probably the place where most of the academy teams are. So um, in terms of there being just a lot of academy teams, you know, almost you'd, you'd imagine someone's going to get relegated for yeah. sure. Uh, there's just not I mean, enough spots. They have rates. to, right? Yeah. 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 I can't remember, like, part of me wants to say, I thought that there was something where, like, they couldn't be relegated below trials, but I could totally be wrong about that. That's like this year. Yeah, that was. Uh, I think that was the end yeah. of this year. End of this year, they were grandfathered. Yeah, I think they were. This was the season that they were like grandfathered in. Like you weren't going to get relegated. Mm-hmm. Like you had a spot. Now with the new system, it's completely okay. open. If you drop, you drop. But there again, you still like you're still fostering talent, and I think that's the idea. At least that should be the core idea with a lot of these academy teams. It doesn't necessarily yeah. always hit the mark. Um, so you still get to build you know and and iterate on you know lower tier players maybe younger players you know build them up um and and setbacks and tournaments and that's that's a lot of i think a lot of this is is good i would like to see things changed in the future but you know so far it's a really interesting idea you see a lot more opportunities for like open division to really show their worth and uh show that they can indeed run teams and I also think, sorry. Uh, the only other thing I was going to say is I think that in early on, you might see an Academy team or a contenders team drop down. Uh, but I think that after the first two seasons, I bet you they pretty much have that down on lock and it would be very rare and very surprising mm-hmm. for a team to actually lose their contenders and trial spots and fall into open division. Mm, I think it, I think it will continuously keep that way. If what they said about patch cycles is going to become true, that every six to eight weeks we're going to have a patch um, mm-hmm. introduced also in Overwatch League. Now, of course, the severity of that patch very much you know, depends if meta switches. And if the, actually meta switch this quickly, then that certainly will also have impact on contenders. But I mm-hmm. think even without that, I think it will, like the academy structure will have to adapt in terms of contract length, in terms of uh, general, like maybe even um, security for coaches. I think coaches will be way more under the gun um, mm-hmm. with these changes, um, as we saw already with uh, Paris Academy, in a sense, right? Mm-hmm. Then um, I, I honestly think it's it's going to be much more fluid and... It will. I think it will actually increase the question marks of Overwatch League teams why they even have academy teams in the first place. Sure. If there's so much volatility and seemingly less opportunity to um, afford building up, because for instance, let's let's take let's take Gladiators Legion for instance, right? Mm-hmm. Didn't go to the Gauntlet uh, to Atlantic Showdown, so they had nothing to do with um, getting that slot for themselves for the NA region. Uh, they then, I think, 
overall they had a either four and five or five and five records in order to go to gauntlet in terms of overall matches they were definitely negative during the regular season and then during the um the playoffs they came back and made it to gauntlet right right stuff like this just like coming back from this it will be much less less, uh, less frequent i think i i don't mm -hmm. see uh, ownerships or like even Overwatch League teams with a hands-on GM tolerating that kind of failure for that long. And uh, even though there is a happy end as demonstrated by Gladiators Legion, mm -hmm. right? And well, I think there still can be those turnarounds, but it's going to be framed differently, right? Like you might have a contender's tournament. I still struggle to kind of call it a season now because it's it's really not. It's just like a tournament. So, like, you'll have one contenders tournament where maybe an academy team does really poorly and they do get relegated to trials, but then they come back and win the next two, right? Like, you still have those stories to kind of, like, hope for and, and wish for. And, again, that can be framed for open division teams and lower tier teams as well. Like, I, they don't disappear, but they're just framed slightly differently. I, I think I, I look think, at this. Yeah, sorry. Keep I, just go, I, I think I look at this in terms of academy. Like, mm -hmm. uh, this is definitely more of, like, a farm kind of thing now because... I, if you're an academy team or if you're tied to a watch league team, you, you kind of want to play in a season where you got to think about like what they really want to get out of it. If you mm. want to try and make it a thing where, okay, we want a lot of exposure. We want to, I don't know, have Altair to almost operate <clears throat> um, in its own realm and have its own, you know, be able to operate by itself and make its own money and whatnot. Uh, then, sure. then you kind of want the longer format where you have the safety of a full season. You're going to, you know, you're going to yeah. be there for a long time, even if you suck. Whereas this kind of thing where is where you play, you might get relegated and then you might not even get back the next trials. It might take you a couple tries, right? Depending mm -hmm. on where your team is at. Um, so, it's a level where it's almost less attractive for academies, unless your goal is just to farm. If you're just looking to develop talent, that's probably not bad. But otherwise, if you're like, you know, trying to get a lot of eyes on your academy team this is like definitely not going to help with that this this kind of format hmm. interesting um there there are a couple of things to note here um so the top eight teams do compete in a double elimination regional playoff tournament at the end of each contender season um and then the there's no details on showdowns or gauntlet, but they they will return. So we will have those back in some form. We just don't know exactly mm -hmm. what. We also don't have any information on prizing. So uh, we're not skimming over those things. It's just they were that's exactly what was said in the article. Um, but yeah, an interesting change. Something that I think will. I want to say it'll make the scene a little bit easier to follow, um, because you have the you have the storylines yeah. right of relegation, so it's very sure. easy to immediately go. This team was in contenders last season. Now they're fighting for their right. spots again this season in trials. Or this I, team started as an open division, and now they're in the top four in trials, and they could end up in contenders. Like mm -hmm. you can kind of see that. Uh, vertical movement for people who I would say are, are the more casual listeners, yeah. if that makes uh, sense. Um, I, if it's definitely if you're if you're joining in halfway through the season now, being you know this this entire duration of four contenders 
single elims into like a playoff into like whatever the showdown is uh you can join in for one of those i assume weekends where hey here's your contenders tournament for the week or whatever uh you can just join in for that and then you're good but also yep. i in some ways i mean like honestly the seasonal format was not difficult to follow anyway and if you want to be a fan of contenders that was almost almost like a pretty good way to follow because you could just sort of track the progression of your favorite team throughout a whole season kind of like you know it's it's kind of like following overwatch league in a way yeah uh, whereas this is more like probably following a circuit format where you follow your team across different tournaments or in this case it's you know the same tournament multiple times so i guess it's a different kind of viewing experience and one that's a bit more bite-sized and I think that's what people need to start to get into contenders is something that they can kind of attach themselves to. And it's already exciting. It kind of almost feels like March Madness where it's just like, all right, well, it's that season. We've got we've got contenders tournaments this weekend. Somebody's going to get relegated. Somebody's getting promoted. Somebody stays. This pretty cool. And and you, with that, you already get people kind of like interested, like, oh, there's there's stuff on the line. There's already drama. The format brings some sort of drama. And I think that's something that people have been missing mm. due to how kind of like long and drawn out this seasonal format well, is. Where it's just like well, I'll tell drink. you, like I can tell you that the, the fact that it gives more opportunity for open division trials, like literally twice the amount of opportunities for open div is actually a pretty big deal, because I know yeah. those guys have very little to do when when their season yep. isn't on like when you're not trying to con- uh, qualify for contenders and you're tier three like what are you playing so that's a big yep. problem yeah they're playing project I mean, a <laughs> uh, oh okay mm, that's, <laughs> that's project a. A. i'm not sure <laughs> mm, that is that uh, is that like a card game or something the that's the the mobile con right link, uh, yeah yeah that's the one you're that's idiots. the one that's the one <laughs> Oh, I thought we were saving that for later. <laughs> <laughs> it's not in the notes. It's not in the notes. It's just That's true. Saying that it came up right now. So we might as well just bring it up now. So this past week, Riot uh, celebrated 10 years of Riot and League of Legends, right? Because like that's yes, the, League of Legends. Yeah. yeah. So and they, they made some pretty big announcements. They announced a new card game. They uh, announced that League of Legends is coming to mobile and console. Yeah. Uh, but one of the big ones was they uh, announced one of their own competitive arena shooter type tactical sh- character shooter i think yeah. they call it yeah, yeah. They, they announced their own overwatch it basically is their take on it yeah i i would say i would say they announced their own counter strike probably be closer to the mark with like abilities and stuff but like uh yeah i don't know about arena shooter because when i when i think arena shooter i'm thinking closer to like quake and stuff or mm. even team fortress whereas this definitely feels and looks like a counter-strike type yeah. like it's definitely not a realism shoot we're not getting like a battlefield type of thing but nope. uh, we also saw very early on like, yes concepts yeah because yeah, yeah, yeah. like sure. i would have said the same thing about the first gameplay trailers of overwatch where it's like you literally set them up with like these five different cubes and like what Reaper just ran around and like shot people from a million miles mm-hmm. away. He had, he actually had like dual pistols at the time, like in the so, game, uh, like little machine guns in the game, in the alpha. Are you not thinking about Tracer? 
I don't think I don't think Reaper had. I think Reaper had like the grenade launcher at one point because the the cinematic. But I don't know about the other stuff. You would you go, um, I don't know. <laughs> I think Anyways. they I, talked about how they uh, they first had weapons as unlockables for every yeah. character in the uh, pre-open beta or pre-close beta, even like uh, mm. much before that. Like had the idea of just like uh, unlocking it, much like for instance in Call of Duty, you would unlock a weapon, yeah. and then they decided against that experience. Uh, I don't know the reason that they stated, but of course it makes a little bit more sense, I guess, for uh, an esports game. Mm -hmm. So just to have that standardized, because otherwise you got a clearly outline, which well, I mean, like you are can, allowed and whatnot, which not aren't. You can have like esports accounts, like tournament clients that just have that stuff open. You know what I mean? Like just like how they would have done it in like World of Warcraft, where you just have like all of your gear available. Like it, it makes it a little weird, but like you can work around it. Just like yeah. how like FGC, like they just have like there are games with like unlockable characters, but they have ways to like move past that and just have the characters be unlocked for each like setup. Sure, like that's more more of giving options to play. So the, the thing is, sure, like when you limit, for instance, in Team Fortress, right? Like the mm -hmm. Team Fortress. Uh, uh, esports experience was nothing like the public server experience. Uh, yeah, 100%. Um, 100%. In terms of items and whatnot. So mm -hmm. you don't want to uh, separate the player base and that. We had that discussion on many occasions in terms of uh, um, just pulling player bases apart based on patch patches and whatnot. Sure. So if you don't want to do that, um, I, I suppose it was a good fine change in that regard. Um, don't know about incentives. Maybe Maybe grinding for certain weapons would have... Because, like, what's there really an incentive that binds it to your account other than skins at the moment? Yeah. yeah. So I think that's a big gripe overall with Overwatch is that it's kind of flat. Like, there's really not much reason for me to get on it play unless, like, their, I'm just, like, itching. Their loot system is too fair. It's too fair. It's, it's too it to fair. Be... Like, tell me, tell yeah. me it's not. Tell me you wouldn't want to play more yep. or do it if you couldn't grind out certain skins in a competitive season. Or grind out um well, like and they do their they do their uh their uh holiday stuff right so they sure. do their, their events and that, that drives people and that drives play, people there imagine but, if they but, had not, a... but not competitive yeah not, that's not the thing because I, 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 actually, I actually agree with you on this part john because i think you need to have a little bit more incentive in the competitive side like golden guns is one thing and i, I know mm -hmm. blizzard probably like oh yeah we probably shouldn't have done that but i don't know like why not like skins? Why not seasonal skins? I think I mean, you get an animated spray, that. right? That's all you get. <clears throat> yeah, that's well, all you get yeah. for being top five hundred. Is well, I think they could. They could give spray. you. They could give you like an evolving kind of thing. I don't know. I'm just spitballing here, mm -hmm. but like, yeah, well, I totally there's a skin, agree. With you. We don't imagine there's a skin like. There's imagine this skin. It's just like you know, it it you, maybe you get a skin for being silver plus, but if you're gold plus, it looks slightly better when it has an mm -hmm. extra thing. Or yes. the higher rank you are, the better looking it is. Whatever, yeah. so you can show that off. Something yep. that makes people want to want to you know grind a bit harder or you know have more of a reason to play, um, and hopefully makes people try a bit harder in ranked. So because that's another mm -hmm. problem, right? People people need motivation to actually give a damn about uh, winning. I'm not a say. I'm not a skins guy, but I've always found it interesting in like League of Legends, where like you load into the game and people have their little borders and their little like accommodations for either being like a good teammate, this, that, the other thing. People actually 
give a crap about these little borders like yeah an evolving skin for a character that you play in 222 where you're kind of limited to what which and what characters you can play now like yeah that would be i think that would be something that they should seriously look at because it, it gives you a progression system it gives you something that players are very obviously interested in skins are in cosmetics are yeah kind of a lot of the big reasons I why mean, people get on riot do it every every year you know there's yeah. sure their seasons last forever but like you know you get if you're gold plus i don't know if it's still like this if you're gold plus you get like a champ you get like a yep. victory skin or something like that you get something special and i remember how annoyed i was that i missed out once because i was like yeah and i couldn't quite make goals like damn i didn't get the skin mm-hmm. i really wanted the skin at least um, you get to a certain point which forces you to play the game it's it's also not foreign to Blizzard to do these type of things. In World of Warcraft, you had that yeah. all the time, right? Clearing raid yeah, encounters, mounts, getting a mount dropped in. The gladiator yeah. skins for PvP yeah. is amazing. They're Dude, great. Hearthstone has like monthly cardbacks for each Yeah. yeah. Now, to be fair, yeah. you get those monthly part cardbacks by getting to level 20, and you can't lose True. stars. True, yeah. So the, the argument, this is coming from some... I, Hearthstone <laughs> was my game at one point. The argument Same was <laughs> more even like imagine a, a weekly card back or a monthly mm-hmm. card back because it resets every month with the season. Right. But, you know, the first one is a tier one card at 20 and then you get a tier two version of that card back. and You just kind of like hmm. level up, level up that card back based on where you finish. Sure. An evolving cosmetic. There you go. Yeah. You um, and I do remember Jeff Kaplan originally saying when they kind of came out with the competitive seasons and they they talked about the rewards being this animated spray, mm-hmm. and the philosophy was much like uh, a lot of Overwatch's <laughs> original philosophies in the right place in practice. I think horrible, uh, but this one was we want people playing competitive who want to be in the competitive mode because they want to be competitive Mm. and incentivizing people to play a mode they don't want to play means that you get throwers but actually you get throwers anyway right yeah like that's that's just it sounded very commendable but then it's like yeah we we don't want to pull people to play a mode that they don't want to play just because they can they have this carrot being dangled in front of them Mm-hmm. The issue is, is just people go to competitive anyway. There's no real yeah. reason to or not to. I mean, and and they say that, but then they also have like the golden guns, which are very cool. A lot of people like them, and the only way to get them is to play competitive. So it's like you're trying to have your cake and eat it too. You might as well just like double down and just really give the community something to work for, to work towards. And if I... you progress through it then you get a reward and that requires you to actually do well and win and i think people do need a carrot because you'll like this is pure speculation on my part but there's a lot of quick play players only it's like it, on some sure. level like why do you ever need to touch competitive if, if you're just like a normal gamer you just you just want to play some overwatch like really quick play offers you the same game in various ways compared to competitive where you can get faster games, quicker queues, right? Uh, it's less stressful for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, why would you jump into competitive if it's, you know, what does it really offer you over quick play for a large portion of the player base other than hey, aggravation? But if you don't, yeah, but the thing is like having that rank comes with so many problems. It's like, yes. why not just do quick play? So yeah, I think there needs to be some more carrots on a stick for sure to get people to care more about playing competitive and I don't know, be start. 
and this is where I, I actually do side with like the other games argument where if, if the, the field of games also incentivize you to play other modes and allow a carrot to exist and then in Overwatch there is no carrot. Why? Why do I bother? It is it is fun. I do enjoy playing it, but like I enjoy playing this other game a lot more because I'm incentivized to play it over there and I'm incentivized and to play also Fortnite. It's fresh like as stupid yeah. as it is. Having a new as silly skin, as it sounds, people like that squid, stuff. Yeah, skin every three days in Fortnite is really cool. Yeah, it's really fun. I've collected most of the vanilla skins in Overwatch just through mm. playing it, and yes, sure. I've bought a dangerous amount of loot boxes <laughs> as well. But I haven't bought loot boxes in over a year, which I right. think is mm. a problem. That's not just for me. I don't think I'm the only person who's like, you know what? I would rather spend this in Apex or Fortnite, or WoW, or whatever else. I I don't think I'm alone in that. And I think part of it is, is I think they made it, it sucks to say, but they made it too fair and too reasonable. Well, I mean, I think think if you undid that right now, people would be really upset. But also at the same time, like, I think you can make it fair, but also have things like, for example, if they're, this this range of skins is very fair, but there's also this other range which is a little bit more unfair. I think because everything just comes out of the same system, like there's like a one loot box for all kind of deal going on. You know, we're not talking about golden guns here. We're just talking about skins only. Basically, if you want skins, a loot box will do. Whereas if you had, I don't know, a, not to say a competitive loot box, but like we were so, talking about earlier, like different like cosmetics, different loot rewards. Box or give me some yeah. seasonable. Yeah, give me some seasonal yeah, rewards that are not in the rewards that are not in the main pool that you get in, a, in mm-hmm. your standard loot box right like that's harder to get for whatever reason you have to go through whatever to get that maybe it's a seasonal thing maybe it's a competitive only thing but it's not just in the normal loot box pool that you can just get i'm gonna have sure. to title this podcast give us more loot boxes blizzard and just have to see the people riot in competitive huh. overwatch uh in the subreddit because that's I'll- exactly what i'm gonna call it I actually think that I I hated how hard uh, the Diablo 3 item shop failed because that seemed to have always like kept Blizzard on the super safe side of all kinds of itemizations and trading and whatnot, Mm. where economics still exists in in Valve games, for instance, right? Like there's still trading going on and uh, there are much higher perceived values to certain items. And and like, let's be honest, when I see a six skin in in ranked, that's like day one of the skin coming out. Other than that, I won't be that impressed. Yeah. Like, for instance, I once had it, I think a month later that people said, oh, the Lucio skin that you get through um the overwatch league thing yeah. you know mm. um that was sick and they didn't know that that existed but other mm-hmm. than that it's like it it really isn't um anything out of the ordinary and i think rarity would do a lot in that Definitely. but like let's let's tie it back together because i think um it, <laughs> two weeks from now we will know more where the direction of the game is going. Maybe these yep. um, approaches will be seen very differently. It's not an insinuation of a leak or anything. It's just like no, it's, there's going to be news. It's yeah, it's got to be something. I, it be, yeah, yeah. It, it's it's going to be um, probably pretty impactful for the entire ecosystem of Overwatch. Mm-hmm. Um, like the 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 rumors of it, for instance, like don't sweep me off my feet mainly because 
that like if it is only in a casual part of the game in terms of like a PVE type of thing, we've already proven in Overwatch that we're very bad at uh, picking up those casual fans for the esports side. So we'll have to find ways to reintegrate people that way. Mm-hmm. But then again, like when we've, we we came to this from Project A, and we haven't seen anything from that game. No. And we also don't know what the vision of Overwatch will be going forward in a post-BlizzCon world where it's much fairer and probably also from a timescale point of view, much fairer mm-hmm. to compare these two games once we know well, more about Project A and yeah. once we know more about what the Overwatch has right. to well, yeah. I mean, let's, let's, look at the, let's look at the sort of environment that we're working towards now because you're gonna, we're going to get more news on what this Project A this thing is in 2020, right? That's what they said in the video and all that. But also its yeah. place in the market is going to be very important because you, you're about to have another major player in the shooter market. I know like, yeah, sure, PUBG and Fortnite have been there now. But, um, you know, we're talking about a team-based PvP kind of shooter, and that's that's something that no one's really competed against Overwatch in that field since you Overwatch really. So and it's been pretty bad. Yeah, yeah exactly. Whereas this yeah. is going to be this is like a, you know the one company in the world that could probably put something out, and people will have quite a lot of faith in is probably going to be right just because of their track record with League of Legends esports. Yep. Um, and the fact that I don't know if you guys saw this, but like some of the developers on this game, like this is pretty serious. They got Volcano on there, which is he's like a former NA 1.6 pro from cs mm-hmm. this guy knows what he's doing uh mm-hmm. this guy made dcash so you know this guy is the real deal he's on he's on the project Great he's point. a senior dev there's another guy um who sort of comes called nicolo and he says to be clear project a shooting matters you don't kill with abilities abilities create tactical opportunities to take the right shot characters have abilities that augment their gameplay instead of fighting directly with their abilities so yeah there's just a lot of things pointing towards this being you know a shooting game first and you know if you look at it from a counter-strike perspective the abilities are more like u- utilities right you're doing yeah. i saw a bunch of things in the in the trailer and the teasers that look like just different colors of smoke grenades so i'm not mm-hmm. surprised if that's really what some of the abilities at the end of the day are and um yeah. before this game comes out which in my opinion probably is about a full year away we might not see this yeah. game until october yeah. next year right overwatch and blizzard have a bit of time to get themselves sorted but before then yep yeah Hundred percent. I don't. I'm not on the. I'm not on board with the whole. You know, it's gonna kill Overwatch. Like you just got to give it time. It has to. It, it, Blizzard has to have some sort of leniency to make you know adequate changes. And you know, again, with what Yiska said, and and to tie it all together, um, if there is a a depth problem to Overwatch that could be solved within the next year, right? Like yep. we getting people in the door is just as important as filtering them up, right? If we can't get people inside the establishment, we can't get them to be returning customers, right? So if we can get the, we can get, get more of a casual player base back at the baseline, we'll have more to filter up with whatever system they develop. So I think it starts at the bottom. And I would say the, the best thing that they've done to get players back or to get casual players in has mm-hmm. not been balance changes or no, God, any other. No. It's just been it's been the merch. It's been yeah. the shorts. It's been the the world around Overwatch, the Rule Thirty Four that I know Yuska frequents often. Overwatch stuff. I know R slash Overwatch. Yep. So uh, it's uh, sorry, Yuska threw you under the bus there. So. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think that there is probably. Uh, I, don't know, I lost my train of thought this after is, seeing his reaction. It's a lot of things to bring people. Feels like I just like <laughs> shot his dog or something. By the by the way, I mean you you look at League how the fact that they got an animated series coming yeah. out, like every game developers know now. It's not just about the game. Mm. You got to build this whole universe around the game. Where yeah. hey, where's the when's the movie coming out? Where are your comic books? Where are your you know your mm. figurines yep. and all that? You got to have everything now. And actually, to be fair, Overwatch is somewhat ahead of the game and some of that because they already have a bunch of cool merch and they have the figurines and they have the very expensive statues and they have a lot of stuff surrounding it i wouldn't be surprised if there was some more serious kind of um content coming out like i don't know a series mm-hmm. or a movie or whatever yeah. that's probably that's give probably that talked about forever. series man yeah. just give me that pixar I'm... animated 10 episodes in a season and look, you minutes. joke, but I look, you joke, but like you know, the the R thirty four stuff is probably an unintentional, or let's say an unintentional, like sort of thing that kind of I don't know. There's there's a there's that all feeds into it, even if it's not officially part of anything. Even though like you know, it's no one really talks about that, but yeah. it it doesn't hurt, does it? I mean, it, it draws attention. No. It's a no. weird underbelly, but yeah, yeah it doesn't a, hurt. Didn't the, didn't the paladins? Yeah. Didn't the paladins CEO say something about he's not worried about know. the game's success because people were making R thirty four stuff about it, or like he wanted more people to make R thirty four stuff about it? I can't remember what it was. Whereas Blizzard is like actively trying to ban it. Game. It's true, man. <laughs> I mean, it's this true. Will, you know, whatever, whatever floats your boat. You know, you do you. <laughs> I will say, did did you guys watch that trailer and just the commentary of um of the execu- ex- executive producer? In no, no, I'm not going to. Don't look like that. I, I want to get away from this topic. I'm not going to address it. You guys are weird. I'm trying to get this train going again. But, Thank you for that. Um, yeah, the, like the two that. minute the two minute video, right? It was like two yeah. two and a half minutes. Executive. And she, she basically post. she like hits all the buttons to get like the influencer base i think what do you mean so we're talking oh, about net code that's yeah. an issue in fps generally definitely peak's advantage big topic in uh, csgo especially online especially mm-hmm. with the tick servers tick service by the way also dedicated servers all kinds of things not in call of duty um high tick rates like we don't have high tick rates uh, mm in uh, in csgo for instance that sure. has been a thing then they talk about anti-cheat that like that's that's the thing that's currently constantly. I think I I saw um, what's his name? Uh, Widowmaker main uh, Kefri. Kefri talk about just like meeting so many hackers in rank sure. now. Um, what did, what else did they talk about? But basically pushing all the buttons to also really attract. Oh yeah, yeah, of course. And then the FPS mechanics first and foremost mm-hmm. thing. Like that. That's basically just going to the disgrunt- disgruntled FPS crowd that Overwatch and as well as uh, CS and definitely also PUBG sure. have, and just saying, you know what? Like, look at this sugar. Like this. Yeah. Like we we've know, checked all the boxes. Where it's like you can come yeah. over here. Be excited. Yeah. Well, you know exactly it, what kind of game they're trying to market, right? They're trying to make just based off the fact that they put that out first. Yeah. Also, like by having it in an abstract universe, like they do, they are completely mm. avoiding the discussion that the CS scene is currently having about this uh, counter-terrorist yeah. terrorist yeah. thing. No real guns. It, it's rather abstract. 
not as big of a problem to understand, but still the intuitive nature, sort of. I mean, you lose a little bit, of course, but still keep most of it around. I think in general, like they're just addressing, at least with the trailer, a lot of the recent issues with FPS and are almost directly addressing influences with that. Because let's be honest, nobody comes out and says, one of our core philosophies is to have solid anti-cheat that's not how you design a game that's a side project a that feature. can have high pr priority yeah. it's a feature still it's not core principles to have that in a launch discussion mm. is just like picking up these disgruntled audiences and just trying to attract them towards and, and honestly dangling the carrot well. Yeah, to definitely. be fair, though, definitely caught my attention. So, definitely caught my attention too. But if they don't deliver on that day one, yes, yes, they also dig themselves a pretty big hole. Which Blizzard so has? They have to. They have to be prepared right now to say that that is something that they can do in order to say it in the way that they say it. Well, they can. They can say it as in like, okay, this is a promise that we will fulfill, and then like, if it doesn't happen day one, they'll say, hey, this is going to come with time, but it's just something we were going to definitely fulfill. But I think it just really says to me that they are looking for the FPS esport market, and specifically, they're looking at. Uh, yeah, I'll say it again. They're looking at the Counter Strike market because this is the kind of game that uh, not really fixes, but really, I, mean, I think, addresses a lot of the issues they have. A lot, you know, they talk about peak as advantage. I mean, that's a Counter Strike thing first and foremost, right? They talk a lot about a lot of stuff that really plays to CS. And I, on top of the stuff you mentioned, Yiska, with you know the the naming conventions of the factions of the game, but also you look at the art style. It's like League of Legends and Riot. They do. They do the cartoony art style. They they're gonna fall, follow the the Fortnite route here because that is the that's the way to go to, you know, lower your um your game rating so like kids mm -hmm. can play probably or whatever. You know, that's how you avoid a lot of the violence issues as well. So they're taking down a very specific and deliberate path that you can you can definitely see what they're trying to do here. And yeah. I'd be very surprised if it wasn't free to play. Yeah, yeah. Which is a big I mean, that's a, that's a over, Riot staple. Overwatch. I mean, granted, yeah. they all they, there's no S in Riot games as of today. Well, I suppose if you count TFT, but yeah, it's 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 all been free. Like you haven't had to pay anything. It might be you know microtransaction out the wazoo, but like you can get in at the ground floor very very easily and just get in and try the game, which I think is you know definitely a, a positive it's for pretty, the most part. It's pretty crazy that uh, Riot went nine years yeah. without a second game and then within this last 10th year have announced three additional ips in tft project a and then their new card game and the Ru fighting Rune game terra legends of Terra, which is the card game and then they have the fighting game they have the fighting they game have too yeah so they also have, they also have isometric the, yeah yeah that looks like a diablo-esque kind of game as mm -hmm. well so some they got sort of one. rpg <laughs> it's crazy yeah they didn't even really talk about it. They just kind of showed it, and I was like, "What is it?" Yeah, so they they're, just so they're up over to it. six now. They go from one also, to six. Also, there was a uh, a Twitter post that just came out. I think from a uh, uh, an anniversary event. I want to say it was in London. Don't quote me on that. Where they said that they're not not making an MMORPG. Are they just so, going to cover every single Blizzard base? They're just they're just, just making everything. Why apparently. not? And yeah. they don't even yeah. have to. I don't know. Like they, they didn't even have to announce everything. They could just make. They could literally make every single game, and yeah. they decide like, oh, actually, this isn't going to work, and just cut it. I don't know. I think they're mm -hmm. in a space where there's enough trust and there's enough backing behind them. Also, they're probably one of the few developers that 
can just make any game free to play and be pretty confident that it'll draw people in yes, and yeah. have some a lot of investor faith in that because they've made one of the most successful free to play games, if not oh, the most successful free to play game ever. So it's like yep. you don't if you don't trust that company to handle free to play, you don't trust any company. So mm-hmm. I would venture to guess that Blizzard's most profitable segment for new games are players of their existing games. Yeah. Uh, and, and I would say that's short term and long term. I think mm-hmm. that the people who are mostly playing Overwatch now aren't only playing Overwatch. At least the people who are spending the most money, they're also playing at least one other Blizzard IP. Definitely. So, uh, just like we discussed before, people don't want to just play the game. They want to live around the game. Mm-hmm. They want shirts and hats and they want to watch shorts and they want to know more about the lore and they want to go to their AOL RP chat rooms as Aragorn Orc Slayer and be Aragorn <laughs> and slay orcs. Uh, it's very much the same that people want to be around that all the mm-hmm. time. It also creates the, the kind of blizzard loyalty that we won't talk about if they are, aren't cashing in on right now, but it definitely has been better. And, uh, you know, like it's, it's just surprising to me that they're trying to grow that so fast and so quickly. Just go from like this teeny umbrella to boom, here we go. Six IPs. Let's go. Mm-hmm. And it's just, Beneficial. it's a big risk. Yeah. I'm not saying that they don't have the resources to do it, mm-hmm. but I also, if you give me a card game and a shooter and a Diablo dungeon runner thing, and you give me those and they aren't spread out at least four, five, six months from each other, I'm not going to be able to try and play them all. Yeah. I Uh, I think that's going to be a a serious hurdle is like, okay, how do we pace this out? They, they have been, they've tempered expectations. They've, they've laid their cards on the table and apparently not even all of them. Um, and said, you know, this is what we're working on. We're going to go dark now. You're not going to hear from us for a long time, but just know we exist. We're working. This is what we're doing. Um, talk to you later, which and is to, very cool. And to just like casually slip that one in there at yeah. BlizzCon season, it's like, you know, BlizzCon's around the corner, but you know, let's be right and just, just slide that one straight in there. Yeah. Right before BlizzCon. I would doubt it. I would not I be surprised. they know about what's yeah. coming at BlizzCon. And they're like, you know what? Did you hear the announcement? They even now. they even made a Diablo Immortal reference. Oh yeah, they're like, so apparently yeah. you guys do like phones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. They actually even <laughs> straight up made a reference. It's like, it's this is some targeted marketing they're doing right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely is. True. A lot of Blizzard fans are looking for a new place to go with their time and money. Yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, I we're say, here making a podcast. So. I say bring it on. I say competition is uh, is, is always a good thing. Right? That's true. true. It's, it, this is a good thing. I don't want to like oversimplify competition is healthy because I think people like it's just like yep. a yeah. regurgitated marketing term or whatever. It, like, you mm-hmm. know, like marketing one. It's very cliche, but there's, there's a truth lot to it. of depth to competition is good mm-hmm. uh, because it's competition is muddled it's not just the best game wins unfortunately there's a Mm -hmm. lot of different facets to what makes somebody a effective competitor and we're not going to go into that today because i know how much youtube hates me going on my marketing rant but what we are going to talk about is gauntlet oh let's go (laughs) so i'll uh, 
do I get like a? I gotta get like something for the segue. There we go. There you go. You Great segue. Me. Uh, Gauntlet. <laughs> Gauntlet just happened this week. It did. And uh, just randomly, we shot a message to Kevin. It's just like, hey, Avril, uh, you want to come on the show? And he said no. So then we offered him money. Said no. So we offered him Overwatch loot boxes. He said no. Mm-hmm. And, and so I you said, offered me Yiska's lamp, and I'm like, hell yeah. I offered Let's him go. Yiska's lamp. I was going to say Yiska's, <laughs> Yiska's rule 34 folder, and you said yes. Oof. But <laughs> Get bullied. <laughs> the lamp's also in there. <laughs> well done. It is a little phallic when you think about it. <laughs> Anyways, we're super pumped to have you on the show because, I mean, you spent the last, you know, better parts of two weeks mm. casting Gauntlet. Close to. And yeah. uh, let's be honest, it wasn't just the Gauntlet for the teams. <laughs> it was a Gauntlet <laughs> for the casters as well. Yes, I've been working on that one for a while. Uh, I mean, t- tell us about that experience for you. Before we go into the results and all the teams and stuff, I yeah. mean, Gauntlet's a big deal. A ton of Overwatch League. I would say this is probably one of the most um, crossover events that we've seen uh, since, like, World Cup of Mm -hmm. Overwatch League fans and Tier 2 Overwatch League fans all tuning in to watch the Mm. same thing in this gauntlet. I mean, everything about it was just on the mark right at me. The timing-wise, you have it just over Overwatch League. So just before World Cup and just after Overwatch League, so there's just this gap being filled where, okay, now your attention is on this now. Um, the first, like, I would say major international event for Tier 2, and, you know, I'm not counting... I think showdowns were definitely international events, but this is, like, the whole world. This mm-hmm. is everybody. This is not just the one conference kind of thing. Um, it's also, like, the World Cup in a way where, okay, it's you have a lot of different representation across the world, but it's not like a national mixed team kind of thing anymore. This is, this is you know, established teams. This is like more of a club format where these are teams that have been playing for, you know, seasons, if not years together and stuff like that. So these are very familiar teams and we finally get to see the true strength of various regions and all of that and put to bed a lot of the rumors or the you know hot takes about who's better than who and just you know let's let's let them duke it out and see what happens and it was a five day tournament i think that's nuts it's like the longest thing i've done so far uh it is a lot of games to get through a lot of matches which is fantastic i mean this is one of the this has got to be one of the best events so far for sure if not the best one um outside the overwatch league and yeah it was just amazing from day one to day five and the whole thing was so incredibly well done. Can't, can't, nothing but praises for me. I will say you are a big part of that. So l- let me give credit where credit is due. People love, people love the casting. And you were a huge part of that, obviously. Um, people have heard you before on Overwatch League Daily and, and stuff and had always complimented... Uh, how uh, great of a speaker you were and how you thought about the game they really loved and enjoyed. And being able to see you bring that onto a more worldwide stage uh, is amazing. So big congrats to that. Thanks, man. I don't know if you were pulling for the fences the the past week, two weeks, but uh, you hit a home run, an Aussie home run or New Zealander home run. I don't know. You 
put that one over the hobbit hole. I don't know what the term is. Uh, I'll, I'll take all the above, man. Uh, great all job. Acceptable answers. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about the results here because it was, uh, man, there was just so many good matches. So mm-hmm. at, at the end of it all, you saw Element Mystic and Atlanta Academy, right? Going mm-hmm. at it. Um, what's, I mean, where, I mean, Joe, Yiska, you guys are probably going to know where, where, where we should probably start. I want to, I want to frame this a little bit backwards. Cause I know a lot of people, okay. including mm-hmm. myself, didn't get to watch all the gauntlet teams. They didn't get to watch sure. everybody that they wanted or maybe should have watched. So let's make sure we frame it in that way. But, you know, paint us a word picture, if you will, about what, really happened at gauntlet so i mean i i don't think it really even st- i mean for me it didn't really even start until like the actual like final playoff bracket i felt like the groups were like pretty standard i think talon stood out as being impressive um you know being a dark horse from a region that nobody really expected you even kind of started to question how much you know how how, how strong their practice could have been um, but then you kind of take into account some of the, you know, the, the ongoing, you know, talking points from, from other people in the community, you know, they, they do scrim against, you know, some of the top green teams and, you know, it makes a little bit more sense that way. Um, but seeing them advance, uh, in this, as the second seed in group A is, is pretty exciting. Um, group B again, kind of filtered out as expected. Um, and for me, I think the, the actual story begins once we hit finals. Would you agree, Iska? Yes, even though I think the the macro of mm. it all was to me, and okay, here's two different ways how, how we can frame the big revelation to me that I saw at Gauntlet. Okay. On one hand, I saw that NA teams can match up to Korean teams. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, the the finals, I mean, okay, like... We can talk about how close that was, but definitely Runaway getting blown out. Um, sure. There were some sweeps in there, but overall, like Korea was overall in aggregate the better region, but not, you know, monumentally it wasn't so. not a top four mm. Korea bracket or anything. Yes. No. And yeah. in that way, you could frame that, right? Definitely. Now, let me frame it from another point, which still blows my mind how Korea operates. Because... Korea is still the best region in contenders in the world, despite having fewer academy teams, mm-hmm. having therefore fewer exposure, fewer two-way players, having um, not as much access, if any at all, screaming Overwatch League teams. Yeah. Like the top NA teams had regular practice with the finalists of the Overwatch League. That has to count for something in terms of preparation. And despite all those seemingly advantages that NA contenders had, Korea is still the best region in the world. Like, keep in mind, it's not even just like that you say, oh, the the immense talent and whatnot. NA contenders is even booking these talents now mm-hmm. away from uh, Korea, uh, Korean contenders, but the system is still so strong that it still produces the best teams in contenders or the best teams 
outside the Overwatch League and the world. And that, in that framing, is also incredible to me. I mean, to and even I, add on to that, like, look at look at even just the compositions that Element Mystic are running. That was that's that's unheard of. At least in this metagame, right? You're you're running Sombra. You're you're running, you know, a little bit more so far, far than other teams, right? Like that's mm. not something that we saw from the finalists of the Overwatch League. That's not something we saw from Atlanta Academy and XL2 and Team Envy. You know, the the powerhouse is coming in. You know, sorry, Legion, I expected you to do a little bit better. You know, I, I figured that week of practice might have helped, but you know, say la vie. Um, that's different. That's completely different from what you know the the best region and the best you know teams in the world are are doing i think that has to account for something you know you okay. you you list all these these accolades and they're even adapting they're iterating onto you know the metagame i think that's that's just insane and i think like uh, to speak to that part especially that's that may just be potentially an element mystic only kind of thing because i think everyone was kind of caught off by that including sure. other korean teams like you look at runaway they're like oh this team yeah. em are running sombra we didn't know that was going to happen or sure. i don't know that's what it, that's what it looked like um and yeah i think it's crazy as well because i you know I, I went and talked to the teams most of the na teams except for like legion who left for korea pretty quickly mm -hmm. most of the other Le most of the other na teams were like yeah we scrimmed both shock and titans for like a while before we got here like because if you think about it who else is who's who are people scrimming if you're overwatch league you know yeah. most mm. the teams that are out of the competition are not there anymore so if you want to scrim you're probably uh, going up against contenders teams at this rate because you don't want to scrim your competition in the, in the league so yeah. um it makes a lot of sense and uh, there's teams like for example, Envy actually had really good practice coming in, uh, which is why their result has probably been more surprising because yeah. they went mm -hmm. from scrimming against both the finalists of Overwatch League to getting into Korea a week early and scrimming against Korea. And they just had this like almost flawless bit of practice all the way through where they never they never had this just like dead space in the middle where they got nothing mm -hmm. um and then atlanta obviously have a lot of overwatch league scrim experience and you know if the rumors are to believe that the results are there as well then this is like by and far like an overwatch league caliber team in this in this academy team and then yeah then you then you look at career again you're like okay well atl beat two of the korean teams that that is pretty amazing on its own. The fact that they mm -hmm. sweep them as a three-o versus Genji, a four-o versus Runaway, and then you just have this Element Mystic team that was just so damn good beyond everybody else, uh, which speaks to both sides, sides of what you were referring to, Yiska. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like that. Also, Impressive. just like in terms of, I guess that's one thing that a lot of people just want to talk about. Just like seeing the individual talent. Mm. I, oh, okay. And then we also have to tie in, like we now said, okay, Korean system, um, North American system. There is a, a team that was very, or seemingly very, not, no, not seemingly, but pretty successful outside those systems in talent, mm -hmm. right? And of course they do scrim predominantly from what I've heard uh, against Korean contenders so mm -hmm. that sort of uh, gives you some advantages but keep in mind like when i talk to coaches right and i've uh, especially like go even going back way to the apex states and whatnot mm -hmm. you are if you're a non-korean team you are playing against the korean mafia they call it right in terms of these teams are pretty pretty tight-knit they rather improve as a scene and 
the the speed at which um, strategies disseminate is much quicker. They will um, just like more frequently uh, play each other in that sense. And you're probably missing out on all that communication, like uh, outer team communication mm -hmm. within Korea, if you're talent. So that is also very impressive that they were able to go pretty close with some of the Korean teams. But in general, I think that was um, more like a testament to the great individual talent they had on the roster. And I also think a lot of the results um, hinged on that in this mm -hmm. tournament. Like Sparkle, of course, outstanding player. Like he Can even I get on my five Muse soapbox yet? Muse, anybody? Yes. I'm telling you. Kid's talented. I, I I did a little bit of VOD review trying to learn about Talon going into Showdown, and kids kids got quite a few heroes that are surprising to say the least. I mean, it's a young talent. I think people need to be paying attention. I mean, it's there are there are a lot of easy, like very flashy shouts, but if you want a main tank prospect that isn't mag, that's young, that could be, you know, your your academy leader. Muse is, Muse is looking pretty good. These guys, I mean, I'm, I keep an eye out, but I think these guys, uh, the talent rosters move in places. I know some of them already have some, you know, mm. pretty pretty big trials or even offers coming their way. Um, but we've even seen, here's, here's a really funny thing about the Pacific is like, most. this is the part where people underestimate Pacific the most. But if you look mm. at some of the Korean talent, because there was a world, there was a stage in Contenders Pacific, where it was like predominantly Korean, it was five. It was half the half the entire region, if mm. not more, was actually Korean players, and a decent number of those Korean players actually ended up in Contenders Korea. Uh, some of them on top teams, and I mentioned this briefly on the Contenders broadcast on the Gauntlet broadcast. But you look at Runaway; there are Pacific players on that team. EJ Gone is a Pacific mm -hmm. player, and he's like one of the best Lucios ever. Yeah, um, and you look at. Element Mystic, one of their coaches for, is from the Pacific. One of their players uh, is an ex-Talon member. Uh, it's pretty huge. Mm -hmm. um, and um, yeah, just across the board, I wouldn't be surprised. Like, let's, let's say Muse doesn't make it to Overwatch League yet. He probably gets a main tank position on a big Korean team in contenders. I mean, that's still sure. pretty damn good. Oh, definitely. 100%. Yeah. It's going to really kind of test him. And, and you know, I, you did well and you know, gauntlet with this team what happens if you get put on a full korean roster like in you know one of the harder regions in contenders like that that's really a litmus test because let's be honest i i think most of runaway and element mystic and probably a bit of gen g is going to get picked up or they they're going to be moving places you know so there's going to be yeah. a few openings there's going to be more than a person, few openings like bliss like the story that I've heard about Genji, like finding him in like some sort of like backwater, like third party tournament that they run. He's like 12 years old. This kid's just young as 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 shit. like he just comes out and just has it. that kind of performance. I love it. Like that's insane, <laughs> dude. Bliss is nuts. Like there's 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 a lot of gems that I don't think people are like really looking at. Like, of course, like you Doha, super surprising, like Patafan, you know, Sparkle. There's a lot of names out there, but there are a lot of like young talents that are that are you really need to keep your eyes on. So it's, there, it's it's pretty exciting. There is one team that has just kind of stuck out to me as okay. like being really interesting, and that's uh, Atlanta Academy. Yeah, uh, it's the only expansion team mm. that I can really look at really quickly that seems to be doing well in contenders. 
mm-hmm. that was an expansion team in season two. So you right. know, obviously you have Envy, you have Gladiators Legion, XL2. Uh, but Atlanta Academy, at the helm of that entire franchise is Brad Rajani, Sefi. Um, who, you know, you could argue was one of who was the, at gauntlet as well. Yeah. He was between the man. I don't know if Southwest. this might be too bold. No. Oh. Uh, okay. Brad has built some really impressive rosters in pretty, uh, saturated markets and done. Okay. Fairly well, I would say uh, Atlanta Rain were one of those teams that they didn't finish at the very top by any means. They got some big wins off, though, some really big teams and picked up players who did really well. Now their academy team is one of, if not the best in North America at this point. Um, If not, you know, second, third in the world uh, based off of gauntlet results. Are the Atlanta... The, the whole Atlanta team here, are they standouts right now overall as an organization if you look top down? So I, I'll answer first by saying, like, again, this is coming from talking to teams. But, you know, one of the questions, especially if you're an academy team, is like, so what do you guys, you know, what's your link to your main Overwatch League roster? Do you guys do anything? Do you share stuff? Do you, like, you know, do you talk? And some of the teams are like, no, no communication. There's nothing. There's nothing like, uh, you know, we. it's like they're totally separate team that's on the bottom mm-hmm. end and the top end you have atlanta academy where it's just like yeah like honestly we're just one big team because yeah. they're in north america regularly scrimming against their overwatch league roster and I'm, I'm not saying academy teams need to be doing that but they were uh and, and then on working. top of that you know well you know clearly and apparently apparently you know more rumors but it's like atlanta academy for for a certain period of time in North America was actually, you know, beating Atlanta Reign and scrims pretty regularly, you know, for a period of time. Um, again, rumors, but Atlanta Academy at this stage is is such a tight knit sort of team with their main Overwatch League roster. You know, the, you know, the way they talk about the different players, you know, the amount of two ways they have, the the two way players they have on there, um, and plus Kodak who was also on the the league roster as well, and mm-hmm. just how just how both of those teams with between Atlanta Academy and the Overwatch League team sort of exist and coexist together is probably the best among all Academy teams that I've either seen or heard of or, you know, have any inkling of. So there, to me, it doesn't surprise me at all that their Academy team is doing so well. And you look at Brad, he like the guy at Gauntlet, like you said, Volmer, he's like coming in the booth after every single map and talking to his team and stuff like that. He's super involved. And I'm not saying every single Overwatch League GM or like manager or whatever or owner comes in and, does sure. stuff with their academy team in Gauntlet and Korea and comes in their booth, but like I don't know, it just it just shows you a little bit of that extra. It shows you mm-hmm. a little bit more about Brad. And it's like, yeah, yep. it uh, everything adds up. It all makes sense. Yeah. You can you can have teams that say, oh, we're a family, we're a brotherhood. Like we we really have a community here. I don't think Atlanta needs to say that. They can just show it by how yep. how how many people showed up to the academy team's performance and and is trying to help them grow you know help them follow on to their path to pro or or, you know help them just promote within and you know internally in atlanta um i I think it was a a show not only of solidarity but you know a a good performance boost to have extra hands on deck to get these guys you know 
I mean, again, it was it was more of a joke, but you had, you know, Dogman coming out and, and you know, trying to threaten, you know, Kodak's spot. Dude, you know, it Fred Fried was there too, man. There was, yeah. there was more Atlanta people there. It was like the amount of Atlanta that showed up there was actually insane. Yeah, that's that's Pretty, really interesting. Very, very cool to see. And I feel like Yiska, I mean, Atlanta Rain and just Atlanta as an organization top down seem to kind of check your boxes on kind of also going that hybrid route a little bit. Sure. So, you know, like, I mean, is this, is this a special squad here? I mean, is, is this something, you know, that, that, that we're not seeing from other Overwatch league teams and squads? I, I think the closest one, even though the, this year's performances in Overwatch league don't really match that up and honestly neither contenders, uh, as much, um, is fusion, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Like they, they, I think Fusion in uh, Overwatch League Season One, and then their contenders team was pretty comparable in terms of like the performance that they had. Also, I would say the ability of Atlanta, like, okay, let's. I'm not throwing anyone on, under the bus here by saying this, but pe- teams have internal struggles, sure. and I'm very impressed how Atlanta Rain seemingly still makes it work. Um, across the organization and just brings people together and still performs at a level where they got into playoffs, they um, could upset the eventual champions mm-hmm. and um, also just like in the gauntlet, um, make it to the finals again. So I think generally um, after season one, like just looking at the track record from the outside and of course, like it's very possible that Brad comes with an entourage of um, of coaches that just make this possible, but like you have the responsibility as a GM, as the outwards leader of that, and assembling that team that gets you these results certainly also is something that uh, needs to be valued. And just looking at his track record from discovering players like Sinatra. Arguably, Dufran, if if his um, situation panned out, I think he would have remained one of the top players in Overwatch League. Then going into um, into uh, San Francisco Shock, trusting Super, like mm-hmm. giving him th- that contract. Of course, someone else then takes them and makes them Overwatch League champions. Of course, but then also doing it again into other teams in their main team and in their um, off team. Sure, maybe he. I don't have any inside knowledge of that if he had any say on the Academy roster mm-hmm. um, assemblage. But he, at some point in the chain, made the call to hire someone that then made this possible. And yep. to have this meta skill is super important. Like, that that's one of the... one of my favorite things about the changes in contenders as well, is in Overwatch, we have gatekeepers. That's not necessarily a negative thing, right? Gatekeepers are just like the GMs or the coaches that say, yes, you may now compete in Overwatch and increasingly so in contenders as well in academy teams. Mm-hmm. Now, these gatekeepers have amount, a, an amazing amount of responsibility for future careers of these players. And we, as much as we have to criticize people that don't make it there and who themselves need to lose their position or 
you know, improved drastically. We also have to say th those are the po positive, seemingly from the outside, positive examples where someone is in a position of such a gatekeeper and does an outwardly amazing job. Yeah, so far so good. You know, he, yep. uh, he's hired, you know, very good people to sign or, or to figure out what to do with an academy team. Yeah, I, I think it should instill a lot of faith in not only Atlanta fans, but you know, uh, sets a precedent for the Overwatch League going forward that like, hey, if 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 it is true that he has, you know, set set a, uh, you know, a guideline forward into who and what and how you're going to hire. Yeah. Maybe you should, you know, try to try to reverse engineer it or figure out what he saw that maybe you could take, you know, that it, it, it proves that you can do it. It, it is worth it. Um, I, I can't imagine that Atlanta Academy, you know, players aren't getting scouted and and looked at and have yeah. contracts being thrown at them, you know, because of how how consistent and how high they've been able to perform. Like this is yeah. this is a pretty tested team. Could just, you know, take the team and put them elsewhere. Granted, I guess you can't do that because some of the ages on some of the players, but you know, yeah. there's yeah. there's talent here that that needs to be uh seriously looked at. So I, sorry, go ahead. I I mean, if you look at, I think pretty much all top three, top four teams are going to have their players oh. uh, moved up or moved on somewhere. Uh, and I think, look, if if Atlanta Academy wasn't going to be the team to reach the finals, I don't know if any other NA team would have had that sort of mm. fuel to sort of get them there. Because you look at Envy as the next high seeded team who lost to XL2, and that's, again, a big surprise. But, you know, Seeing the way XL2 getting got swept by Atlanta, it's it's a very similar way to Genji losing and stuff like that. I just I don't know if it yep. wasn't Atlanta in this tournament, you're just not too yeah. sure any other NA team would have been able to make it that far, right? I, I, it's yeah. pure speculation on mm -hmm, my part. Mm -hmm. This could have easily been a career versus career final, a yeah. career top three. It nearly mm. was a career top three if it wasn't for the fact that ATL got there in second place and sort of just like you know combo broke that entire thing, but. Yeah, like and they uh, swept it, their way there. Exactly, there was one team that could do it, and it had to be this team. And if it wasn't, if Atlanta Academy didn't exist, or didn't exist in this fashion, or a different NA team was here, I just don't, I don't, I don't see that happening. Personally, so Atlanta Academy defeats XL two three to zero. Then they go play Gen G, defeat them three to zero. Then they play Runaway, defeat them four to zero. And I feel like we yeah, need to stop that's, there. That's... Because this feels like a very key turning point. It was already surprising enough, I feel like, for a lot of people. Like, Runaway, obviously, that name has a ton of weight in the Tier 2 oh, Overwatch uh, yep. uh, scene. Especially uh, with the Titans being largely former Runaway. And now, mm -hmm. uh, you know, they're still looking great with the, the roster that they have now. Atlanta Academy sweeps Runaway in the loser's final before going to the grand final. Four to zero. Uh, Avril, how big of a deal was this series? How, like, let's, insane was it? I mean, let's, let's be accurate about something. It, wasn't, it actually wasn't close. Uh, of the four maps, Runaway got two points yeah. on Horizon. That's it. It was. That wasn't map. one of those close four O's. Where no, it's no, like, no. This was like yeah. convincing. Zero, zero points on Lee Jung. Zero points on Hollywood. Zero points on Route sixty six. Two points on Horizon. Is all Runaway got. That's it. Atlanta yeah. got everything else. Atlanta completely dominated them everywhere else. And you know, I talked about Atlanta having like a like a bit of a close knit 
uh, sort of relationship with their you know league team. But I'd say Runaway, despite not being an official Academy roster, might as well be the Titans Academy roster. And the way they operate with the Titans team, I mean, it's definitely closer than what a lot of actual Academy teams do with their parent uh, team. So Runaway very actively talk to scrim against and just have relationships with the, the the titans roster i mean to me it feels like runaway and titans are very closely connected as they should be um and you know i i see i see that as one of the strengths of runaway and um this is probably one of the favorites of the tournament not getting the desired result and yeah they beat genji but you know um they were supposed to beat Genji, so not yeah. super surprising. They lost to Element Mystic, which is a little bit more surprising. Um, but at the same time, I I think I definitely had faith in EM. I think EM were always going to be a super strong team, especially in this beta. And it really showed how creative and you know what mm-hmm. what sort of depth they really had. Um, but I I definitely expected a map from Runaway against Atlanta. I didn't I did not foresee that being a four yeah. zero. I felt like Atlanta had a good shot at beating them. I would have still favored Runaway overall. Hey, if Runaway was going to go down, that should have been a 2-4, just like EM versus Runaway. Yeah. I did not see it being not only a 4-0, but a 4-0 stomp nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think if you play that like 100 times, I think it does come out to be probably a little bit closer. I, I don't know if Runaway were a little rattled after the EM game. I don't know if they, they were super you know, prepared going into this. It, it, there, are, there are a few Korean teams. I mean, look at... You know, you talk about decisive. Look at ATL Gen G. Like that was a quick three zero and a handshake. That was decisive. Yeah, like the rotations and the Bastion mirror was were disgusting. And Gen G had no idea what to do. And Atlanta still trying to pull out some sort of weird Hammond thing that had mixed success, but they they still had tricks in the bag to pull out. And they they I mean. If anything, it was almost analogous to what the shock did in the owl finals, yeah. right? Like they take a, a very close loss in the upper bracket, go through the lower bracket, sweep everybody, just completely just beast mode yep. anime storylines out the wazoo. And then they just kind of fell short against, you know, this this element mystic team that just was on the game, had yep. cards that nobody even knew they could pull and looked comfortable doing it um yeah like it's it's impressive to say the least that atlanta comes out and and does this and by the way this meta that we saw for gauntlet requires so much teamwork especially around bastion comps like that is to me one of the highest teamwork skill ceiling comps that we've seen you know some people might look at them be like boring it's bastion but when you really look at the nuts and bolts of it it's almost like goats again where every every piece that puzzle has to be so well synced with every other piece that if you mess something up, your entire composition falls apart. And this is the kind of composition that falls apart super quickly if you lose a player at the wrong time or at any time, or if you if something goes wrong, you don't manage your cooldowns well enough. It's like, oh, you blew your lamp. Okay, cool, you lose. It's just a whole bunch of small things going on that you have to have so perfectly in your ability rotation, just like goats. Um, that when you see Atlanta roll through with their Bastion comps and just walk over all these teams, you're like, man, their teamwork is tight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And their macro planning is tight as well. I mean, again, I, I, I loved that game, Atlanta, Gen G. Like, that was like textbook, like almost chain wrestling, where it's like, okay, we're going to move here. The only options where you can move are here and here, and you chose the wrong one, so we're going to do X, Y, and Z. <laughs> like, it was, it was clockwork what they were doing. It was disgusting how quickly they dismantled that team who yep. i mean to be fair like one of the weaker green teams but still like a contender 
And it Let was real. not close. Jinji was the team that everyone said was the best scrim team overall. Oh, really? Uh, pre- yeah. It, when I asked the teams, everyone almost unanimously, hmm. this is the funny part, the Korean teams did not agree with this, but all the non-Korean teams were like, yeah, Jinji is the best Korean team right now. They showed the best scrim results, They all of this, hmm. all of that. And at this point, you go to the Scrimbuck Stock Exchange, like, do I buy it or not? <laughs> yeah. It's a really yeah. it's a really tough place to be, right? Because I'm like, ah, oh, yeah. damn. Because I had EM. I had EM picked pre-tournament. Okay. I said, talent top six, EM win the tournament. And then I get to the team interviews. I'm like, oh, my God. Have I picked wrong? <laughs> like, God damn, Jinji's the best team. And for a while, they did look like it. but Because yeah. EM, EM were, I wouldn't say struggling, but they weren't. They started shaky. They mm-hmm. did not look clean. And yeah. the, later on, you find I was like, oh, okay, well, they had way more strats. They just didn't show. That's some 900 IQ stuff because mm-hmm. they just held back their Sombra strats. They went to five maps against Talon and held back their Sombra yeah. strats. Like, yeah. how close do you want to cut this ear? It was pretty tight. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, and, yeah, it turns out they had the they had the greatest depth among all the teams. But, you know, I, I was scared because everyone said Genji was going to be, be the best. A lot of people say that Gladiators scrim really well as well, but then don't show up on officials. Uh-huh. And the same just might slightly be true for Genji where, okay, they cash in the scrim bucks and they, they don't they don't win the games they're supposed to. Uh-huh. So Interesting. I, I'm re-looking at this now, and I, I don't have the exact numbers, but I will say this. For Element Mystic to have won... If you add up map wins and map losses, they had to have done the worst of any team in the top six. Like sure. they definitely like, played more. Like they they yeah. they had uh yeah. So it's they're the only team that I can really see that didn't sweep or get swept. Yep. And that was I mean that's you know Makes I mean sense, it's consistent. Right? It's mm. consistent. It's beating your opponent. It's not just, you know, there's a lot to attribute there, but it's really interesting uh, that you have a team like that walking away with it all. And then, you know, they did beat Atlanta Academy twice as well, which is also notable. Can can I beg the question here? No. Because, okay, one thing that's different, they aren't, aren't going to be expansion teams next season, of course. Sure. But last... This season, we mm-hmm. proved that bringing an entire Korean contenders roster into Overwatch League with minimal adjustments can get you the finals and can, can give you the most dominant season. Um, mm-hmm. not, not the most dominant season the Overwatch has seen. League you don't think seen, NYXL did that season. in season one? Uh, I think Vancouver was very close in terms of percentage of win rates uh, over the I mean, season. Sure, but... but... Every player bar Takuyaki turns 18 during the next season or before. So even their coach wants to go out now. Mm-hmm. Is this a thing where one team just says, okay, either we make a lot of room or we eject our entire roster and we just go the, the mm. runaway route? Because... Like some of it, of course, it is not the tenured roster of several yes. years of playing together, mm. but some of these players have been playing for a long time Definitely. together. Definitely. Can, can I say this? This org, this Element Mystic org, has exported so many Overwatch League players. It's not even mm. funny. You yeah. look at their history. You look at who's been through this team. It's like, wow, that's Overwatch League. That's Overwatch League. That's Overwatch League. It's just so much mm. talent has come through this one team. It's nuts. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like I, you know, if I want to be greedy and I, I do want to say, look, if they can all go together, one team that would be absolutely crazy. Uh, I don't know what team that could be though. I don't know what team has enough free spots in it to just pick up this wholesale. I think in a perfect world, uh, I think Souls should just take Soul. the whole team. Yeah. Souls should just dump their current yeah. roster, take this whole team. They even get to keep the same color scheme, EM that is, fantastic for them. <laughs> and um, I think the Korean fan base would be proud of this team. No, I'm, I'm serious. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I think there are some gen, gems on Gen G that you, you might want to keep around. Glister, Bliss. I mean, Sparkling Glister on the team. Like, <laughs> how dominant in the 2-2 two, two meta. <laughs> You're talking about, like, ace, you know, flex DPS that can play a, a number of different things at a, at a world-class level, like Glister Sparkle. Like, that's a that's a showstopper. Mm, that's insane. To... I need to double-check something. Stall. Stalling. Uh, okay, so to your point, yes, good. Do you really think that Element Mystic could go in? Like, you take this roster, you put it in Overwatch. Like, do you think they could be like finalists? Because I don't see that. I see, I think they could be like very much above average, but I don't see them going but, like. But do you need probably do you need a finalist off the bat? Do you need like oh no, definitely they, they, they not. Finalists, we don't pick them up. Because no, I think even if not. they even if they make like. A decent result in playoffs. I think that that's fantastic for like a uh, a bottom yeah. tier. Like if Florida just goes, okay, we're just going to sign Element Mystic. Like that's a that's a franchise improvement. Like yeah. two seasons too late, but it's a fantastic hey, improvement. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I don't think you got to make the finals. I don't think you got to no, make the finals. Not at all. I think I think it depends on what what your franchise is aiming to do. Are you trying to rebuild faith in? You know, the system, how are you rebuilding a system mm. to, you know, figure out where you want to stand? Are you, you know, flipping, you know, the the table on exactly what you were doing before and you're going to try something else, maybe go full Korean? Like, this would be a, a good team to start off with. And, and yeah, I agree. You don't need to go to the finals, but that has to be something you that aim, they're okay I mean, with. You aim for it. You, it's a goal, but like... 100%. Yeah, I, I, 100%. The thing is... I can almost promise you the number you would be hearing from Element Mystic for buying that entire team <laughs> would would make you go, but, but you, you definitely you have, have, a, have a chance to win the final, right? <laughs> like that is going to be a number, dude. Like sure, individual um, individual moves last season were already pretty economically um, aggressive, well adjusted, <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I think that roster would absolutely be absolutely ridiculous. Gotta get some cloud cloud nine money, you know. Team like where we're at, start to then pop again, off some dude. investments. So, so, like, you're representing Korean esports. Can you really lose in your own arena? It's true. So there's there's two teams. If I just go through and look at like the free agency status, and just look at like how many how many teams have enough room to just sign the the chunk of um element mystic and there's there's two the la gladiators mm-hmm. and the toronto defiant sure. those those are the two uh soul has five players under contract so it would be tight it'd be a tight mm. fit okay so what you do what you do is because here's the thing soul went for like a 12-man roster anyway right mm-hmm. and i, oh, not I saying they can't do it not saying they can't yeah. do it I, I think any team that wants to go for a 12-team option could actually potentially look at this because having that option is actually kind of smart because you have a potential sub for everybody. You yep. also can do a lot of internal scrims. Um, and especially if you're traveling a lot, you can sort of... 
don't know, reduce burnout by adjusting a roster based on, okay, this guy's, this is a lot too much travel for one guy here or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you can sort of make it so everyone does less traveling if you have more players that can do traveling. So I can see a world where teams that want to go for a full 12-man roster option can actually pick up a whole team full sale. And, um, and yeah, maybe maybe Toronto and LA Gladiators could be teams like that. But also, I, I think for most Korean teams, the opportunity to represent the only Korean franchise is like, a, it's a good deal. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, yeah, I think, we, I think we spent enough time on the gauntlet. Um, this is a good chat. <laughs> I learned a lot. So <laughs> thank you. Appreciate it. Put uh, that in my back pocket. Okay. I know, right? Uh, yeah. So um, there, there were two things that we wanted to discuss really quick on uh, league movements. They're pretty, they're pretty light and easy. So we're going to go through them mm. quickly. I don't want to spend a ton of time on them. Uh, but the first one is Depe has been announced as both the head coach and GM for LA Gladiators. Uh, Yiska, we were kind of discussing this a little bit, and uh, something that you had said is that teams utilize the head coach role and the GM role in a lot of different overlapping ways. Some are strictly mm. player management. Some are elsewhere. You have... Boston Uprising, where obviously Huck is very considered hands-on in the scouting Mm -hmm. and doing that stuff. You have other franchises that maybe they're more hands-off and are more um, in tune with making the franchise profitable, and that's kind of what their their focuses are on. And so you've you've mentioned there's there's a breadth there. Depay coming in, being announced as both. What's your take on this? Is this a is this make sense? Is this a big deal? This is after Annalyn has uh, transitioned away to GM, so their their marketing social media lead Annalyn uh, transitioning to a GM position for Washington Justice. Uh, it's it's an interesting move to say the least. Yes. Now, without knowing how much of uh, KC was previously involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it stands to reason that they know what they have in him and sort of can evaluate what he brings to the table. Um, there's certainly also the possibility that he wanted to be, uh, you know, um, may, like wanted to move up or wanted to, you know, ha- have it uh, both ways, wanted to be in a more hard position. We don't know, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe we will find out soon, but... In general, um, I think it's not a, a a move that necessarily screams to me that this is not doable, right? Mm. It's just like really? these these tight. They are. Uh, did you understand one? You you would say that it's too much. I think those are one? two very heavy hats. I think those are two positions that need. I would imagine. Again, I, I'm I'm projecting a lot of. Uh, you know, uh, guesstimations on what it means to be a GM and what it means to be a head coach. I think those are very, very heavy hats that need individuals to run efficiently. Um, And I don't doubt that DePay is probably not good as a GM and good as a head coach, but as both simultaneously, that's worrisome to me. He does have a team of one assistant or two assistant coaches and one assistant manager. I mean, like, yeah, it's pretty standard, but compared but to one, 
to other teams, like that's as just as much coaching squads, if not more. Well, I'll tell you what, he could be he could be a very macro, like top heavy guy where because he, he sort of has both positions, he can just be the overarching leader and says, okay, this is the direction of the team yeah. and it's going to be synchronized from a management and also coaching perspective. You're not going to have a Huck Krusty situation again because this is going to be one guy kind of overarching both. And he doesn't need to be super involved on both sides. You can have a lot of assistance and management and coaching take the, the main brunt of the work. And as long as you are aligning the, the, the total direction of the team from managerial and coaching perspective, that can, that can actually be a good thing. But like, I agree, Valamel, that like if it's if there's too much for him to do and he has to be too involved in both roles, that can kind of crumble. But if he kind of keeps it where like he's just very much a, a top-down kind of thing where sure. he's looking at more of a macro kind of picture, then and he just lets his, his assistants do the jobs that they need to do, then I can actually see it working quite well from a direction standpoint. 100%. I'm not saying it can't work. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm just worried when you give one person a ton of things to do. You're going into and, and it could also it could also crumble because if if D paid you know makes a bad decision and he's he's making the calls for the direction right if he makes a bad yeah. call then suddenly one guy is in charge of making all your bad calls and the team can crash and burn super sure. quick but you know we'll, we'll we'll assume that he does know what he's doing as someone that's been with the gladiators for some time. One hundred percent. I mean he, he's definitely you know worked with some of the team members before. I, I believe you know last looking at the 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 contract status for some of the players. Mm. They're still on team options, so that definitely lends me to believe that he might be able to, you know, pull them back towards the team. They don't have to leave anywhere, but it's it's a lot, especially going into the first year of travel, the first season of getting people visas, getting a, an yeah. arena set up, getting, you know, but, ticket sales like that's a lot of stuff for one one person to do. You would never do that. I can almost promise you that you're being trapped by a linguistic framework that he yeah, would possibly. never be. Like, like, we already know that general manager is not general manager in the Overwatch League. If for some, like, what Tasmo did is very different than it depends, right? What Annalyn would be doing. The GM, or, the GM for like, the Atlanta Reign is is Paul Hamilton. You're telling me that he's filling the yeah. role. That no, it's Brad. Right, it's Brad yeah. who's filling. Uh, Brad's those... listed as coach, I think. He's listed as head coach, but he's fulfilling those roles very yeah. much of like traditionally. A GM role. Yeah, I suppose. I think, In my opinion, I think there's just sure. delegation that's going to happen. I cannot imagine that he does literally everything. No, of course not. Including I, I definitely... business development uh, and uh, like merch and whatnot. Like that, some other GMs in terms of also marketing and whatnot. Like that, all these calls are being made by him. I think there's going to be a solid amount of just like. Like if he wants to stay focused on Overwatch, which head coach definitely implies, right? Mm -hmm. It's like that the head coach thing definitely tells me more than when the tag general manager is uh, tagged on, mm -hmm. because that just means you are in some meetings that other people aren't. It does basically mean nothing about what you're actually doing in your job in the Overwatch League. Sounds to me like he's got a vision for the overall franchise, but doesn't want to lose the activity on the day-to-day -day player. Sure, sure. Stuff. That's what it sounds like to me for someone to go, I'm a head coach and I have my head coach position. And you're like, you know what? I want to do GM, but I don't want to lose this, this route, this place where I have expertise <sighs> that very, not, not a whole lot of GMs have. Mm. Uh, and, and by the way, Head coach could just be, I manage all the assistant coaches and I make sure the direction totally of the coaching 
is going in the same direction uh, as you know in this case maybe matching that up with the managerial stuff but like he doesn't even he doesn't even need to be the guy in every single scrim doing all the reviews he doesn't need to be the sure. guy doing all the coaching stuff he can have a full team of assistants doing that and he can just make sure everyone's on the same page that could just be that could be the job of head coach in his position and i mean it speaks to your structure argument of you know completely top down i'm just going to be you know a general manager basically i'm just going to oversee the, the the coaches and the coaching staff and make sure everything's going uh, as well as it can be and setting them up for success and leading that um, and, and maybe creating another position to lead the business side of things and creating another position to lead logistics, right? Like that definitely can happen, but it's from the outset for me, it's a lot of responsibility put on yeah. one person alone. Again, the, the off season is uh, young. Uh, there could be more signings. I'm sure there will be, you know, as, as you know, a gladiators restructures and reshuffles around ownership and whatnot. So I'm, I'm going to assume that they're going to have to sign a lot more people, but it just at the, at the offset, it seems like a lot of responsibility for one person. I, I agree. I, I also, I don't wonder, I think that there are some levels of like, I don't think that this is the this, this scenario, but uh, mm. trophy titles. Uh, I'm not saying D-Pay is being trophy sure. titled anything, but I am yeah. saying that there are definitely people who have a specific role who aren't actually doing what that role traditionally definitely. does. Definitely. And you know, like there's, there's always flex and wiggle room, which is why it's hard. It, we, we talk about the show a lot. And when we talk about specific teams, especially when we do like uh preseason primers, mm. we don't just say so-and-so is a general manager. So-and-so is the head coach. And here's their two assistant yeah. coaches. And it's done. We take some extra time to actually discuss how they interpret that role. And mm. a, a, it, it, it's not just one standard interpretation that makes for successful overwatch league teams um yep. and we we've seen that time and time again so i don't know i'm excited for the dude uh we we've had no. dpay on the show a few times um i've talked with him a few times and you know, he's smart clearly driven clearly has done really strongly as far as just overall results go i mean you mm -hmm. know gladiators are you know have always done well um in competitive overwatch and he should be attributed to a large part of that success and that's 100 that's great so we'll see we'll see if this helps broaden the vision and bring the team even more cohesiveness and to you know come and have an even stronger season or we'll see if you know maybe this experiment doesn't work out mm -hmm. i i'll tell you this i'm going to try really hard to get Pay on the show before season three starts uh, <laughs> yeah I, I would love i would love some clarification on exactly what what these yeah. mean and how mm. he's what the vision might be because mm. you know if it if he has a good you know uh projection and idea and plan then i'm all on board like i would hope you, that they wouldn't my give question. him the job if he didn't though to be fair like i'm hoping that in the interview the first thing goes, sure what's your plan <laughs> you'd be like hey i need a head coach i'll take care of it okay and right <laughs> And Don't worry about to, it. To put this joke to rest, he shoulder bumps them out the door and you know, calls ah, it. There game. it is. Hey. There we go. Hey. <laughs> Off the top rope. Yeah. So stop saying that joke. It's not funny. Um, other one, though. Uh, changes, 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 changes. It's the season That's of to change. the uh, Toronto head coach position. Huh, Joe? Yeah. 
Fefe from uh, Paris Eternal and uh, Eagle Gaming fame. I know everybody loves their Eagle Gaming memes. Going back to the uh, the old goats meta, but uh, Coach Fefe will be the head coach of uh, Toronto Defiant. Um, so far, like I, I don't I don't have any reason to think that Fefe is bad. I mean, he seems to have a, a pretty positive track record, at least historically in Overwatch. Um, found out through a little bit of research that he has like traditional sports background as well. So that definitely, um, you know, Yiska loves adds a that, little bit of spice. Way. Yiska finds traditional sports and esports to be one in the same. Definitely not one in the same, but it it has experience. Like you have experience managing the you know some form of youth and and dealing with personalities, which lends me to believe that he's he's pretty well equipped. What does this mean for Toronto? Your guess is as good as mine. I I, I have no idea. Maybe they go full French Canadian. Um, they do have a, a team in Montreal. Like I I don't know. I I would assume French members meant French. You know, some sort of a French uh, following with Fefe in terms of players. But uh, it's purely speculation on my behalf. But uh, we'll see. Just want to see what Toronto does. Possibly. <laughs> Never know. They could just move. Maybe the first team that moves. We've seen, we've seen, we've seen, we've seen, you know, titles change. We've seen, you know, teams sell. I'm waiting for the first team. like, let me in. Yeah, see? It'd be, it'd be a move. I don't know if it'd be successful. It would, it would definitely be a move to sign XQC. Again. Bold takes. Bold takes from the young Volamel. We'll have to see. We'll have to see what Feifei does. I I I I don't know. I I've I I can't say that I've spoken to too many people that have uh, strong opinions on him either way. He seems to be kind of, you know, under not under the radar. Not that not that he's hasn't been uh, viewed before, but I haven't heard too much good and or bad. So I will say there does that with, with there does green. seem to be this kind of uh, consistent storyline with the Toronto Defiant and trying to find that right leadership position. Sure. Uh, they they had Bishop there first. He's no longer there. Uh, Last they, before the season ended. Yeah, they um, promoted. Who did they promote? Was it Moby Dick that they promoted? I think they just like did a collective. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, we're just gonna all coach. Like, or I don't. Was it I, Optodox? I can't remember. They promoted. There was someone who said like so and so is gonna be taking over in the meantime. I think it was Optodox. Maybe, ma'am. And uh, they're no longer with the team now. Um, mm-hmm. But you still, so there's still clearly like this need of like, who's going to step up, actually be a right. leader for um, the coaching staff on this team and, and get the team on the right track where uh, expectations were high, um, I think, for Toronto. I think a lot of people had um, really high expectations. I don't think that Toronto hit the mark on their, uh, on their first season. But at the same time, I think that a lot of people haven't written Toronto off yet. You know, like Paris after their first bad season, they're like, uh-huh, okay, whatever. And stuff. It was like, for Toronto, it was like, ah, come on a little bit more. You're, you seem like you're close. Seem like you're finding it. Mm. It's like a game of pin the tail on the donkey. And they, you know, they just keep hitting those hips. <laughs> is that a, is that an okay analogy? <laughs> I don't. I can imagine. So I've I don't had think worse, that's right? Yeah, yeah. Could have been a lot worse. adequate. All right, we'll, we'll have, have we'll have to see. On that analogy, <laughs> nope, wrong button. Wrong. That was actually the wrong button. I wasn't actually booing myself, <laughs> though. It makes sense, doesn't it? 
We got to get out of here. It's been a long show. Thank you. But for good reasons. Thank you, Avril, for being Thank here you. with us. It's been a lot and, to uh, talk about. <laughs> I know. We kind of went all over. We're like, yeah, we're just going to talk Gauntlet and, uh, you know, Contenders 2020. And then, you know, we talked in, uh, home design, interior design. We talked. We discussed uh, religion <laughs> quite extensively. We, we touched every base. You know, we did a lot of this show. It was a good show. Definitely not one to miss if you're here live and tell your friends. Implying Joe is one. awake enough. Is awake enough to even follow a religion. <laughs> is God asleep? Let's be honest. Let's, wow. Is God asleep? Wow. A constant state of delirium. So while we wrap the show up, uh, Avril, I'd love for you to take this opportunity to tell us where our viewers and listeners can find you. Any shout outs for the week? Anything that you want to throw out there, self-promote. I know you're talking about wanting to do more streaming. Mm. Um, so now's a great time to uh, shout that out. I, I First of all, you can catch me on my Twitter, which is uh, actually on the on the stream here, at I'm Avril, I-M-A-V-R-L. And then also my Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash Avril, A-V-R-L. So those are probably the two main places. Um, and I might be doing a thing very soon with Team Australia, so check, keep a hold of their Twitter account as well for the World Cup stuff. Ooh. And yeah, very cool, awesome. Uh, Yiska, what about you, man? Shout outs for the week. Where can people find you? Um, as in general on my Twitter, uh, haven't been very active, but uh, starting next week, I'm off a week from work. So I'll probably hop on the horse, do some thinking of us. Maybe some more the high horse, effort uh, video. Horse, soft what? ass or hard ass? Is that a difference? <laughs> Say it. Say it out loud and you tell me. <laughs> Never mind. Um, but um, yeah, in general, uh, I think... Uh, you could just follow Twitter. That's usually where it all goes. Or in Discord, of course. Mm-hmm. Yep. Will you play Fortnite with me? No. All right. Great. <laughs> I would play Apex, but I don't care for Fortnite. Oh, man. I want to get back into it. Season two seems fun. All right. Uh, Joe, shout outs for the week. Where can people find you? Uh, all the socials at Volamel, V-O-L-A-M-E-L. Um, still doing the writing thing. Um, just released a couple speculative, uh, you know, roster moves that uh, D-Pay kindly poked a whole bunch of holes into, uh, signing as GM and coach for the Gladiators. I kind of <laughs> had some of their players moving around, so uh, don't know about that one anymore. Um, but yeah, just going to be speculating and uh, theory crafting about what's going on in the uh the off season and uh yeah working on projects uh yet to be announced so yeah keep a keep a keep a keep a keep a lookout sweet as for me you can find me everywhere at kick tripod twitch youtube and twitter.com slash kick tripod uh find the show everywhere just search for tactical crouch twitter tactical underscore crouch patreon.com slash tactical crouch we are 100 supported by our fans so subscribe on twitch subscribe on youtube go to patreon we're gonna do some game nights i promise we're gonna hammer that out today actually because i said so we're going to do it now uh but yeah 
that's going to do it for us. No new five-star iTunes reviews, but if you're like, hey, I'm not going to give you my money, you filthy uh, don't worry about it. Leave us a five-star iTunes review, and we'll shout you out on the next show. Other than that, that's going to do it for episode 56. Thank you so much for hanging out. We'll be back for a post-show in just a moment. Bye-bye. Bye.